This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever needed to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Sophie Robinson. And I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And today we are chatting about the smallest room in the house. But it's not just the downstairs, Lou. We've noticed a real trend for making over those tiny, awkward spaces to create little pockets of house joy. So we're talking about things like book nooks, larder cupboards, breakfast corners. It's a really good way of either making use of a sort of neglected corner or just making your space work a little bit harder for you and your family. Or just an excuse to decorate. Well, (laughs) you say that in jest, but actually, if you are defining a space, you will need to use paint or paper to do that. And if it's just a small corner, you can go bold. We've always said, go bold in the downstairs, Lou, as you're not in there for long. Don't comment on that. But this is about making the most of those other spaces. And I think this whole conversation was also kind of triggered by, do you remember at the start of the year we did that trend piece and I think it was House and Gardens did the, you know, what they're quietly quitting and they sort of, you know, were a bit rude about open plan spaces saying, you know, we're not that they're they're on their way out, the big knock through in favour. And they talked about cosy corners. They talked about things like bonquette seating little areas, little library book nooks. And it really got me thinking about how we've been so obsessed with more, more, more space. And actually, I think I'm on board with this. I think some of the most favourite parts of my house are actually the smallest. Well, and also, I mean, it is cosy. And I think we are particularly at the moment all about the cosy. If there's actually a trend that that's happening, uh, it's about people wanting to be cosy and feel safe in small spaces. Yeah, I, I quite like to crawl into a cave, actually. Most yeah, exactly. Of the time, if I'm I, don't, I, I just want to go underground. Cave. Not <laughs> yes. a cave. Yeah, no, a floral one with cave. A, a seated yes. in it. <laughs> 
But it is, it's also about really giving purpose to an awkward corner or a small space. And the one that has really struck me again and again, actually, is on Instagram. She's called Alice Grace Interiors. And I noticed she did this last year and it was an alcove, which I think she lives in a modern house. She's done a huge amount of work to it. It's incredible. And she had this alcove, which was perhaps a bit deeper, like a cupboard, if you like, with no door on it. And she's put shelves all the way along the side to make bookshelves and a bonquette at the end. So she's created, I mean, it's it's the definition of a book nook, but you can go in there, curl up and everything, all the books are within arm's reach. It's really tiny little space. And I thought that's so clever. It's big enough for like one person, isn't it? Is this the one I'm visualising? So you can kind of stand in it and there's room for one bum to sit on the cushion at the end. But yes, it's your own little safe space. But it's really clever and it's about as much as anything. Sometimes when you have awkward spaces in your in your homes or unused corners, The temptation is to try and hide them or ignore them. And sometimes you just got to own it. So, you know, paint it in a different colour from the rest of the room to define it or wallpaper that area. Or actually, if it's a corner in the kitchen, a bonquette is a really good way of defining space because obviously it takes up less space than a chair. You can push a table right up against it when you don't need it. And it helps to create an area within your kitchen. So, I, I mean, that's a really good idea. I'm seeing bonquettes everywhere at the moment. Yes, so am I. And I am the owner of a bonquette situation in my kitchen. And that was very much because I don't um due to lack of space I've got quite a modest sized kitchen but you know like everybody we all hang out in there all the time and as a family of three it's plenty big enough for me Tom and Arthur to sit around and have weekend breakfasts or you know midweek suppers um and we just built uh we built into the corner and what's brilliant is I suppose comfortably it would sit too but I've actually had as many as four people on that little corner. For people with small bottoms. Yeah, because it's another thing that if you do have a crowd around, you can kind of squidge everybody in, you know, maybe not to eat, but definitely when I've had all the girls over and the cocktails are being made and someone's warming up the supper, everyone can squidge around on the bonquette and it's, you know, it's rather fun. So I think they're very, it's a very, you know, it's a great sociable um, solution. It's a space-saving solution. And as you've highlighted, it's an opportunity for some upholstery and a bit more fabric and scatter cushions. And I'm always here for that. Well, and the other thing is, of course, you could, you know, I don't know if yours is, but you can, the, the classic bonquette often has a lift-up seat. So it's storage. Mm. So you can put in oh, it... Oh, I've got the dog, I've got the dog bed under mine. Not in a cupboard, I hasten to add. But, <laughs> Not um... put the dog in a cupboard. But if you, if you're building a bonquette and the chances are you've got you know you might have room to buy a vintage pew or or an old bench but that might take up more space if you're building something into a corner then you know you can build it as a series of boxes and you can keep in there perhaps the you know appliances you don't use very often or the vases that you don't need all the time it's a really good space to store lots of stuff so you can free up space elsewhere in the room have a, a cushion over it and I do think Cushions and and back cushions are really important. We've got some friends who have a beautiful modern glass extension and it's lovely. It's got, you know, this sort of curved glass going over the top. But there's a very flat, straight wooden bench against a polished concrete wall. And, you know, when you go for dinner, you're a bit like, oh, I hope it's only two courses. (laughs) 
That's my mom's going to hurt. Um, and, and I think, and I saw someone, I think it might have been Medina at Grillo Designs first did it, but other people have since, I've seen it. You can get a headboard. And if you just buy a headboard and fix that to the wall, that then becomes an upholstered, comfortable space to lean against. And I think that's a really good idea. And then a foam cushion, which you can lift off if you need to get to the boxes underneath. And hey, presto, you've got storage, you've got space-saving seating, and above all, you've got comfort. And then you can add your upholstery. Mm, no, really good. Well, I did a bronquette seating as one of the projects on the Dream Home Makeovers TV show I did a couple of years ago for a lovely family. And Christina actually keeps her artificial Christmas tree in her kitchen bonquette oh. seating. Isn't that genius? You never know. You never know what's hiding in the kitchen bonquette seat. Well, and, and those are those particularly awkward things that just take up too much space and you yeah. don't know where well, to Well, lo- they've done a loft conversion, so you're always looking for somewhere else to put your uh, Christmas decorations, aren't you, if you've done a loft conversion. Talking of kitchens, the other little small space that I think is getting really celebrated, which we have touched on in the podcast, but it's still going strong, is the sort of pantry laundry room um, or little larder. These are becoming more and more fashionable, aren't they, in kitchen design? And I'm and what I mean is like, I mean, we've all been lusting over the lovely pantries with the little spice racks and the little cupboard for the toaster and all that kind of thing. But what I'm seeing as well with laundry rooms, this is the place where you keep your washing machine. Is people really going to town with beautiful wallpapers? you know, gorgeous artwork, lovely window treatments. It's no longer just, you know, the utility when I was growing up was literally just like a white cupboard with laminate cheap kitchen units in it because nobody ever saw it. But people are really going to town with it. I think you've absolutely put your finger on it there. And in fact, inadvertently, we've done that here because we are not extending this house. And there is on the back of the house what everybody calls a bog standard utility room. And it was absolutely white laminate worktop, washing machine, dishwasher, randomly, really unattractive and ugly. And I've rebranded it, the pantry, and we're going to decorate it. It's exactly the same space. It does exactly the same job. But we're rebranding laundry to pantry they're two different things a pantry and a laundry well is that yeah i'm talking about that extra room are you are you combining i'm combining because we don't have the space for separate but to come back to your <laughs> who does we don't, well yes to come back to your laundry room there's a couple of people who've done really clever laundry cupboards and lucy williams is one in her house which was all over house and garden last year i think it was their most watched house video and i think i mean i haven't seen a floor plan of her house but i'm pretty sure it's a cupboard on the landing oh which that's she's very perhaps clever. created it's a victorian house so it might have been originally a loo and she's just stacked in there her washing machine and she's got a rail over the top and a beautiful door on it and that looks lovely and bianca hall french for pineapple has also done that. She's kept her bathroom separate and she's turned her original upstairs loo into a little laundry room and she's gone full. There's a loo in there, but there's the washing machine, there's the dryer, there's a beautiful marble worktop, there's a linen skirton, great statues on the shelf. I mean, it's fabulous. And you just think... You know, sorting laundries, for me, it's not the most exciting job I could be doing. Therefore, if you can do it in a space that looks great, absolutely go all out with the wallpaper. Yeah, no, no. Well, I just think it's, there's something about, I don't know, it's quite decadent, isn't it? Sort of like really embellishing 
these rooms that are otherwise seen as just being quite practical. Again, I mean, I am loving all the pantry porn over on uh, Instagram. I mean, I think Sarah Brown Interiors has got that really iconic pantry with the glass glazed doors and it's all sort of like those lovely yellows and reds. And then House on Dolphin Street is another one to have a look at. It's tongue and groove wall, but it's half painted blue up to one point and then a lovely sort of dark, you know, doing really interesting dark red colour blocking going on. I'll tell you who had a good one, who we did a house tour with was Sophie Ellis Baxter and she had a little remember her pantry she no it was a laundry room that she'd got on the first floor and she'd got incredible I think it's pink and gold wallpaper and she made the point that she's in there quite a lot she's got four children there's quite a lot of laundry (laughs) to sort and she was absolutely going to go for it because it was the space that she was in quite often Um, five children Five children. Is it oh, I know it's, 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 one. I know it's hard. It's hard to hard to keep count. Yes. Do you know? I knew yeah, someone. A lot in, of laundry. I was friends with someone who was one of five, and her name was Anna Benedicta Clare, and she was ABC. And then the next one, I can't remember her name, but it was D E F. And the parents did it like that. And then the little one was, I think he. They called him Roddy, but he was Q R, and he was called Zachary. And his mother insisted on him being called Zachary because it was the so Z at the end. <laughs> yeah. And the dad was like. Oh, Oh, I thought Zachary began with an S. Are we carrying on? <laughs> True story. <laughs> but yes, that's that's laundry rooms to come back. So we've done tiny laundry rooms to come back to the, the pantry or the, it's really expensive, but it's quite sexy. It's the larder cupboard. So you've had yes. the laundry cupboard. If you haven't got space for a whole laundry room and then if you haven't got space for a whole pantry or a a walk-in larder we're seeing now that kitchen companies are offering these kind of larder cupboards where Mm. you open the double doors and there's your toaster and there's your pull-out rack for this I mean that's that's fancy it is fancy it is fancy and it's about yeah again it's I suppose that bleeds into that sort of like wanting your home to be super organized I kind of could only dream of having a cupboard where everything's labelled and in the place where it should be. I'll tell you another area where I've seen lots of nice sort of celebration of tiny spaces is in bedrooms, tiny bedrooms. You know, like that sort of archetypical box room, which is basically the width of a sing- of a bed. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like literally two metres. So when you go and buy a house, you think you're looking for a three-bedroom mm. house and it's two in a box. Always. Yeah, the, yeah. Li- the little box room. I've seen some lovely designs, again, on Instagram of people who are really unapologetically celebrating the fabulousness of a little tiny box room. This could be just like wedging the bed, you know, as I said, in the end, and then colour blocking around it. So you create a frame of colour around the bed. That works really nicely. Or going sort of full throttle and building like a bed nook. So getting a carpenter in to build a frame around the bed. So it's almost kind of like built in. Yeah. And then you can have like little bookcases. And it reminds me of Lily Allen's house that we were talking about only a couple of episodes ago in their bedroom cupboard. Yeah. You know, their really fabulous Brooklyn townhouse, but actually their double bed was wedged into a pink painted cupboard because they just loved the coziness and the and the dark it afforded for lions. I think the key with all these things is is you've got to make it look like you meant it. So as you say, mm. rather than apologising for having a small bedroom which hasn't got quite enough space and trying to paint it all white and make it look bigger, you know, go really bold. And it's like, do you know what? This is this may be small, but it is mighty. It is fabulous. <laughs> and and really own it. And you know, and that's a perfect example of wallpaper the ceiling and the walls or paint it all out in one colour and and 
be really bold with it. And because the bedroom thing is interesting, isn't it? I mean, I've done this in my bedroom in this house and in the last house where I've made the sleeping area quite small so I could create it's not a walk-in wardrobe but it's a false wall with hangers behind it so walk through wardrobe if you like and I think the temptation is often that as as adults we take the biggest bedrooms for for ourselves and we're not in them we only go in them at night or to sleep or to record podcasts, which is quite a niche activity, <laughs> I grant you. But, you know, you, you don't need a very big place to sleep. And actually, by making my sleeping area much smaller and having all the storage behind a false wall, I am able to keep my bedroom quite tidy uh, because mm. I don't have to have anything else in there. And then the actual sleeping area is, if you like, much more kind of zen. And I You've think zoned it off, haven't you, I you've guess? Zoned You've it zoned off. your sleeping area away from the dressing area. Yeah. I think it's so clever, that idea of yours. And I might steal it because... Ooh. I know. I you've might, got a I, huge bedroom. I have got a disproportionately huge bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> kitchen yeah and a massive bedroom oh this my house is all the wrong way around um and people do walk into my bedroom and are usually quite surprised because you've gone from this quite cottagey the, the whole of the house is quite cottagey and then there's just this huge mass bedroom did, was it designed like that or did they no. was it originally knocked about a bit because it is I mean it's quite a, if I was sleeping on the far side and I needed a wee in the night I mean that's a long way it's a long walk <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, the the old part of the house was two farm workers' cottages, which are knocked together. So that's why we've got all the little windows and, you know, very low ceilings. And then in the 1980s, the people who owned the house before us put on an extension, which is why we have quite a good size living room and this massive. Oh, okay. So is your bedroom as big as your sitting room? Yeah, exactly. How big is that for listeners who might not be aware? I think it's about seven and a half metres by five and a half metres. Oh, that, yeah, big. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite big. And me and Tom are quite small people, so it's like completely <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> and the dog's quite small as well. Well, yes, we're very petite in our house. So I was, yeah, so I've been really mal... And that, uh, but what is kind of annoying is that they then built this minuscule ensuite bathroom. I mean, it is... I've never even titchy. seen that. No, you won't ever see it. It's horrible. It's, I haven't redecorated it, so it's still grey. <gasps> so can you say that again a bit louder? Did you say yeah, I've it was got my ensuite bathroom? Like, is the only I think it's the only room in the house I haven't tackled in the seven years we've lived here because because Kate, I'm thinking of having a knockabout. This is the whole thing. I'm thinking of making the ensuite bigger because at the moment it's got a, a loo, a tiny basin, and then one of those kind of like corner showers, you know, with a oh, yeah. screen. And I don't even go in there. I use the family bathroom because if me and Tom are trying to brush our teeth in there together at night, well, it'll end in divorce. It doesn't <laughs> just never goes well. We cannot share a basin. We can share a very large bedroom, but when it comes to our ensuite, it's like el- sharp elbows are out. It's not. It's not good. So, um, so I'm thinking of knocking that and making that. I'd like to make it bigger with a proper size shower in it. But then I'm like, well, where do I put my clothes? Yes, is it not big enough to turn it into a wardrobe? Yeah, so then, well, the thing is, is the position of the door makes it a bit tricky. But I think we could do the partition thing that you've done. Rather than create a separate room for the for the dressing room, 
to do this. It would mean that you'd walk in, the, the dressing area would be the first thing you sort of pass, but then I could position the bed a bit closer to the windows to enjoy the view, and I think it'd be quite nice. And what's more, I don't think it'd be too expensive. Well, you are married to a builder, to be fair. Well, yes, but I do, I do suffer from uh, the cobbler's wife syndrome, whereas everybody else's house gets fixed up apart from my own. But there we go, let's not get into that. <laughs> For anybody who, who does want to know what I've done in my bedroom, there are, and I will put it in the show notes, I have written about the dimensions of how I've done it, but you essentially, the wall goes, you want 90 centimetres either side of your false wall, if you can, a door's about, 76 80 so it's a slightly more generous space either side to walk around and I've got 90 uh as a space to hang my clothes and reach them down more than that obviously you've got more space to get dressed in less than that it's more of a kind of closet but you've got to work with what you've got this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas we're going to come to the tiny bathroom and that's another thing you know we have spoken about how little space you need to fit a bathroom and I think on my downstairs shower room um, and your shower room they're both about a meter wide aren't they which is a shower tray yeah mine's a meter by two meters it's really titchy and I think mine's a meter by two and a half so you can get a shower tray and it can be quite generous a shower tray if it's Mm. a meter a meter long, um, and then a basin, and then a loo at the other end. So that have you done the wet room thing like I have? No, I'm not doing it this time. I I've done it before, and you know, a it was expensive, and I just I didn't want a shower screen. That's a whole different conversation. I and I was worried about leaks, so this time we're having a little kind of tiled step up and a curtain because it saves space. Um, rather that, and rather than making the whole thing a wet room and having a shower screen. Okay, for anybody out there, I've got the wet room situation and it's holding up fine. So yes. don't worry about it, as long as you get somebody who knows what they're doing. That's just open, isn't it? So you've got the shower open to the basin and then the loo at the other we end. We don't have any screen or any, any curtain. It's literally just a room, a tanked out wet room that has a little basin and a loo in it too, because there just isn't room for everything else and it well there was before there was a slidey door cubicle thing and again oh made you so claustrophobic so I think this is the thing if you've got really tiny bathroom where you're literally having to sort of like wedge yourself in it's just like I wanted to get rid of the tray rid of the slidey door situation that just rattled and banged and was a pain to keep clean and I just opened it all out but yeah you've got to be prepared 
to spend some money. You are right, because you've got to get it tanked. You've got to get the whole thing tiled. But um, I have to say, for me, that was worth the investment because I've got a lovely yellow, cheery shower room. The other point I wanted to make is that, again, people squeeze really tiny en-suites into their bedrooms. And again, they're trying to keep the bedroom really big and have this really small bathroom. I would flip that because the bigger the bathroom, the more hotel, the more luxury it will feel. Or you tank it and you have no screens. You only need a small space to sleep in. So, again, I would be tempted if you're trying to cram a lot into a bedroom and you may have a big bedroom, but you may be trying to cram in, you know, a small walk in wardrobe, a small ensuite. Just have a play with the plan and see if you can give yourself a little bit more bathroom space at the expense of a bit of bed space because the bedroom is, you know, you're just getting in there to go to sleep. You've got your eyes closed most of the time. (laughs) One would hope. One would hope. But if you've got a, a slightly bigger bathroom and a slightly bigger wardrobe, that is what is going to feel more luxurious than a huge expanse of bedroom with a shower where you're squished in and it's really uncomfortable. Yes. Which is what I've got, which was I've got. And I do not recommend. I do not recommend at all. It's really not nice. No, that's very wise. What about walk-in wardrobes? I mean, I would love, I would have loved to have one of those. Erica Davis has got the dream walk-in wardrobe, hasn't she, over on Instagram? It's amazing, but I don't think it's that big. I mean, I think, again, you can create, you know, it's she's got a sort of more of a cupboard, hasn't she? Yes, walk-in wardrobe cupboard. Yeah. Mm. You need, as a rough guide, before, if you're measuring it out, a, a hanger space is about 60 centimetres. So, you know, work out whether you can have a double row of hangers. When I've done the wardrobe in this house... I've now got two rows of hangers. So I've got a shorter hanging space, but I've got two rows. Now, the top hanger was literally measured to how tall I am and how far I can reach. If I sell this house to someone much shorter than me, they may have to move that. But I very much built it for me. Um, And you can have on the lower space... I've managed to have the rail that's kind of trouser height so I can hang all my trousers on the bottom and reach up for my tops. But you can fold trousers over hangers so you can have the whole thing lower. So as long as you've got that 60 and then work out if you've got 60 both sides and, you know, 80 centimetres to walk down the middle, then you've got loads of storage. You you do have to sit down with a piece of graph paper and work out the space you've got. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I think that would that that sort of, sort of just feels really nice to have that sort of setup rather than lots of freestanding furniture. It does again, like you say, coming back to the bedroom, make the bedroom feel more luxurious if it hasn't got lots of furniture around it. It's more serene. Freestanding furniture is beautiful, and you can have vintage, and it looks great. And you know, I love vintage furniture, but. Vintage wardrobes are often not the most practical because you find sometimes on the old ones, they don't have a rail going across. It's kind of hooks on the back and you can't see things or the doors don't open fully wide and you've got a whole load of space in the sides where you can't see what's hanging there. So sometimes when it comes to clothes storage, purpose built is more practical because you can see. And the other key thing is actually, and I think we can all be guilty of this with with kitchen storage as well as clothes storage. Try, if possible, to allow a bit of slack for the clothes, plates, glasses that you haven't yet bought. Because if you build and you're absolutely full, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a one in, one out 
policy. You know, I aspire to that, but I don't always achieve it. But, you know, if you if you build your storage and you've absolutely rammed it, then if, you know, if you fall in love with a beautiful mug on the <laughs> weekly shop, you ain't got room for it. Practicalities aside, the other sort of trend I'm seeing when it comes to tiny rooms and you touched on this right at the beginning of this episode, is decorating in a really bold and audacious way. And I am loving seeing some really tiny bathrooms over on Instagram with really colourful tiles. There's a real trend for checker tiles going on, isn't there, where you, you mix a, col- a square tile and you mix a colour with an off-white. I'm doing that. So on trend. Oh, I'm doing that in my shower room downstairs. So on trend. But I'm loving it. I mean, it's quite visually busy. Um, I saw one that I fell in love with by interior designers Barlow and Barlow, and it's kind of like pink and white checkerboard, but then they've got some pattern tiles going on as well. And every surface is covered in pattern and colour. And I and it's quite a small bathroom, and I was just like, I am here for that. It was just like this room's small, this room's unassuming, so we're just gonna slam loads of pattern and colour at it. And I just thought it looked great. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, like the tiles. There's so many fabulous tiles around now. Um, so I'm doing that in the downstairs shower room. Actually, I've gone with a sort of dark dark green and off-white for a checkerboard and actually in my upstairs bathroom I've gone full William Morris wallpaper yes it might be quite controversial but we've gone for the full yeah yeah, well, I have. I've got that lovely Ottilene de Vries wallpaper in my bathroom, haven't I, on all four walls. And it's holding up really well. And it's an absolute song of pattern and colour. And I just makes going into that bathroom feel like a really joyful experience. I mean, I remember back in the day when I used to write for magazines or, you know, advice columns and whatever. The sort of go-to piece of advice was always like, if you've got a small bathroom, go for a big scale tile. You know, a big, I don't know, 30 by 30 or 60 by 40 or whatever, because the fewer the grout lines, the less busy it looks, the bigger the bathroom looks. But we're not really saying that in this, (laughs) are we? We're sort of saying for this maximalist, joyful approach to decorating, hang the grout lines, get all the pattern, all the colour, do the checkerboard, have the pattern wallpaper. I mean, it's not going to make your bathroom feel more spacious and open. But it's going to make it feel cosier. And I guess this is where we're coming back to, isn't we'll it? we come this back to the desire for tiny rooms to feel cosy rather than always trying to push the walls out all the time. And, and one, one point on the grout lines, you know, back in the day, as you say, whenever that day was, <laughs> um, you know, grout was white. The pre-maximalist day. Pre-maximalist. Grout was white and it always yes. got dirty in bathrooms and it was horrible. Oh, you yes. can now get so many different colours oh, of grout. You Are you going for coloured grout? Well, on the on the bathroom that we've just finished, I've got it's called black terracotta tiles, but they're kind of uh, a chocolatey colour. By the time they've of been sealed they from Claybrook Studio, yeah. yeah, they're brown, yeah. chocolate yeah, brown. But obviously. the grout is also chocolate brown. So although you're colour matching your grout, I'm colour matching my. I mean, it's not a complete match, but it's all of a mm. tone, and actually that helps kind of calm it all down because we haven't got those kind of white outlines. Which again, mm. you know, reminds me we've just had our recently hundredth episode, and one of the clips I shared was at the time I banned white paint, and yes. that was because it's often a very high contrast with the rest of your colours. And white grout is the same. If you've gone for a strong colour, the white grout just outlines the fact and makes the floor look busier. So if you can bring it to something that that matches or tones, you calm it all down again. Mm. And here endeth my lesson on... On grout. And white. (laughs) (laughs) 
She's still banging on about why. I'm pain. still going oh on. Oh my god! <laughs> so, do get in touch to tell us about any clever small spaces you have spotted or even created. I need to actually go back to the cupboard under my stairs again. It's kind of half done, but I I think there's the start of something good there. But. In the meantime, Sophie, I'm in that classic situation where I've only got one wall holding my kitchen up. The rest of it's open to the elements. There's, it's The floor is bare concrete and the electrician's turned up and gone, where do you want your lights, love? Uh... And it's the same every time. And I've pretty much planned it. I'm quite proud with myself. I've done a floor. Have plan. you done a measured drawing? I've done a measured drawing, but I just thought it would be quite nice for our listeners to just say on the basis that your standard worktop is about 600 or 60 centimetres, where are we putting those down lighters over the worktop so we're not standing in our shadow and we're not just lighting the top of the cupboards? Give me the rule. You're married to the builder man. Oh, no, not that you should ever ask your builder where to put your spots light. So that's rule number one. Don't ask the builder and don't ask the electrician where to put the spotlights because they always want to put them in a grid. So anybody who's got a grid of spotlights that the electrician or their builder just whacked up there because you hadn't done your measure drawing and you didn't tell them where to put them will know... As you've highlighted, Kate, when you're standing chopping your carrots of an evening, if the spotlight's behind your head or even above it, you're just casting, it's casting a shadow over your chopping board and it's really annoying. A way to get over that, of course, is if you have a shelf or a wall hung unit, you can put strip lighting underneath that, which will highlight a chopping area but if you're not planning in countertop lighting then you need to get your overhead ceiling spotlights in the right place so being as your worktop is probably the standard 60 centimeter deep wants to be within that 60 centimeter so I'd whack it around the 40 centimeter from the wall ish between 40 and 50 centimeters away from the wall there you go it's exactly what I've done (laughs) because in the last house We had a whole load of spotlights. We had an island and a run of units. And it wasn't until um, I interviewed Sally Cullen of John Cullen Lighting and and Lighting Expert. And she said, oh, this is nice. She said, you've not lit all the lovely objects on your sideboard and you've not really lit what you're doing on the island, but you've created a beautiful straight line of spotlights in a runway going down the middle of the room, lighting the floor to the back door. I mean, it was like the aeroplane. Here are your nearest (laughs) exits. You know, the strip lighting will leave lead you to the door and that was exactly that because I'd left the builder to do it and assumed that he would know what he was doing so it's really hard with lighting in kitchens because you do have to make those decisions before anything else happens so they can plaster over all the wiring and that's why it has to come in so early and it's hellish but yes no it's really it's really important and also you do have to wrestle with your builder and your electrician because they like a grid and they don't get it and i think this is perhaps due to flipping properties and developments because if you're flipping a property you haven't got a floor plan you don't know where well in the kitchen arguably you have but in other rooms you you haven't done your floor plan so the developer just puts a grid of spotlights in and it makes certain men happy because they all line up in a nice grid and for some reason they think that's the way it should be but as I said to my electrician it's like I'm not lying on my back in my kitchen looking at the ceiling checking my spotlights making a nice grid pattern 
What you want light to do is highlight the areas where you need, need the light. So you're right, in a, in a room like the living room or a bedroom, it might be throwing light on artwork or window dressings or a coffee table or up down on the footstool. Those are the things you want to be highlighted. Preferably not overhead the sofa where it's going to burn your retina. So you've got to really, really think about this. And in the kitchen, you're right, what are you doing in there usually preparing food so lighting is actually really crucial that you chop the carrot and not your fingers so it's it's kind of important to get it right so yeah do a measured drawing for all the rooms in your home but more importantly for the kitchen and then hold fast I mean I'm an interior designer with 25 years experience and I have to arm I had to arm wrestle our electrician when we did our lighting plan because I was going off grid and it was sort of making him sweat the other thing roughly in terms of measurements as Sophie says you want to be between 40 and 50 away from the wall so that you are highlighting what you're doing on the unit and it's roughly about a meter between each light you want you know so I've got a uh, my kitchen is five meters long it's quite narrow so I'm looking at having five down lighters across that area of kitchen that are about four 450, 45 centimetres away from the wall. That's your starting point. I'm then having a pendant light over the table and I'm going to dot in a couple of other lights, not in a grid, but randomly where I need them in the rest of the room so that there's no dark spots. Well, you're right, because also there's different types of lighting in your kitchen because you've got your dining table in there. So you're going to want some quite bright lighting in the work areas over the stove, over the over the worktop, as we've discussed. But then you might want some softer pools of light. I've actually got a lamp it's a penguin lamp, obviously, plugged into the corner of my kitchen. And it means when I'm not in there preparing food, I can hit off the main down lighters and I can just have a little lamp glowing in the corner. And it's a really nice little cosy glow. So important to think of mood lighting in a kitchen dining space too. And definitely if you're starting from scratch as I am, think about having them on different circuits. So I'm actually going to have at least three switches in there. So I will have one light that lights all the kitchen stuff. I will have one circuit that's just the light over the table and I will have one that's just the lights in the rest of the room. So that's three... I can either have all three lit up or I can choose between one or two of how I want to do it. So do keep them on different circuits and fit dimmers if you can. If not, as long as you've got different areas, you can light up at any point. And then, of course, add a socket so you can plug a lamp in if you've got space on your worktop. Yeah, no, again, I've got quite a small kitchen. Again, three circuits, down lighters on one, under counter lighting on another. Oh, actually, the down lighters are on two lights. And then I've got two lamps. Lots of lighting. We can always come back to this if you want. Let us know if you want us to talk about lighting planning in more detail because it is complicated. Oh, it's my favourite topic. But that was just a little quick roundup. And don't forget, of course, that we have our monthly style surgery every month where we answer your questions. We are here to solve your interior design dilemmas. So please do send us a voice note or indeed an email to thegreatindoorspod at gmail.com. And in the meantime, you can join the chat over on the Great Indoors Podcast Facebook group or follow along on Instagram where I'm mad about the house and she's Sophie Robinson Interiors. But for now, a big thank you to our producer Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective and thanks so much to you for listening and we'll see you in the great indoors